I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. If you are new here, you will find all things fun, hippie, woo-woo, and metaphysical, plus happiness. I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you tuning into the show every week, and I try to bring you the most fabulous guests imaginable. If you are craving more happiness after listening to this podcast, check out BUFindHappy.com, where you'll find all sorts of tangible tools, tips, tricks, and resources to incorporate more happiness in your life. Learn to speak your truth with grace and live a courageous life of authenticity. And remember, if you like this podcast, please click subscribe. Hello, Norm. Good morning and welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. We're going to talk about all sorts of cool mental health stuff, seasonal affective disorder, which you kind of pioneered. And um, we're certainly going to talk about your new book, Poetry Rx. Um, and I'm really just looking forward to picking your brain on all sorts of things that I know that you've studied, um, you know, regarding the gift of adversity and supermind and just so much cool stuff. So welcome. Well, thank you. It's really good to be here. Could you share with the listeners a little bit about all these amazing things that you're doing and how you kind of got into this field? Which field are we talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> how about how about just the overall summary of your awesomeness? How's that? Oh, all right. <laughs> well, you know, I woke up this morning and I thought, are you crazy to be trying to break into a new area um, after all the others, but that's really my nature. My nature is exploring. My nature is curiosity. And, you know, if, if ever my mother said, don't go in there, that was exactly where I wanted to go. Um, and so it's been in my adult life. When I came uh, to the United States, obviously I'm an immigrant. I came from South Africa that was an exploration. And when I came to the National Institute of Health to become a researcher, yet another exploration. And that led to uh, seasonal affective disorder, which we described back in the 80s and developed the light therapy that people thought was kind of funky at the time, but now has become mainstream. And then, uh, you know, I've worked with that over the years, but I became fascinated by transcendental meditation. And I wrote a couple of books on that subject. Um, and so could, could you just could, could you tell the listeners a little bit about what transcendental meditation is? Could you share with that? Because there may be some listeners who are uh, who are familiar with meditation, but not familiar with this component of it. Could you share that real quick? Absolutely. Well, you know, a lot of people say I could never meditate because I can't concentrate on things. But with transcendental meditation, it's a very easy, effortless kind of meditation. Uh, you're given a word, sound or mantra. Uh, you have to go, you have to learn uh, by a trained teacher and they give you this 
word sound or mantra and teach you how to think the word sound or mantra. And that then uh, enables you to move to a state of consciousness known as transcendence. It's a state where you are in a very pleasant place. You can let your thoughts come and go, but it's it's a very special way of being. It's a new kind of consciousness to many people who haven't experienced it before. And so I've been doing that for 15 years, and I was so impressed by how much it does for people's health, mental and physical, that I was tempted to write a couple of books on the subject. And uh, I still think it's a very, very healthy practice. I I love that. And, uh, you know, meditation has definitely been one of those things. And we've had some guests on the pod that have talked about that. But meditation has definitely been one of those things that has completely um, transformed, transcended, trans everything my life like it's really just elevated um my ability to manifest and create my ability to tap into gratitude my ability to trust and allow my ability to forgive i mean just really you know escalating ascension from kind of those 3d level vibrations to the more fifth dimension so it's it's been super profound for me and i love that you've done work in that field well, thank you. I, you know, when I, many of my patients, I refer to meditation and it's often added a very important component to their well-being. So I, I think it's sort of, I think of it as one of the pillars of my health is meditation along with getting enough sleep, getting a good diet, exercise. These are the things that I think keep us healthy and keep us young. You know, what's really been cool to see is that in the past, I mean, so I've kind of been in this hippie realm of exploring these kinds of concepts for many, 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 many years. And it's really neat to see so many humans. And I don't know if, if you have this experience, but to see so many humans starting to tap into this really profound world of um, opportunity. I don't know if you've seen that, but I've seen people really stepping outside of what the narratives have been and, and into their greatness. I agree. I think people have just become more aware of how potent these things can be, that it's not all medicines. And and that's really a wonderful lead into uh, the book that I've just written, because when people have asked me, do you actually prescribe poetry? The book is called Poetry Rx, like a prescription. And I say, well, I prescribe lots of things besides medicines. Of course, I prescribe medicines like any doctor would and does when they're needed. But I also prescribe good sleep, good eating, exercise, meditation. And yes, along with those, I'm saying poetry can be helpful to people. So, yes, I prescribe that as well. Let's talk about this poetry book, because so here's so here are my thoughts. I've 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 been a writer literally my entire life, you know, started really, truly journaling um, when I was about eight years old. So I've I've been in the writing world and consumed by it, obviously being an author myself of uh, quite a few books now. 
I know the way in which it heals me and helps others. How do you prescribe poetry? How do you recommend people get into it? How do you, I mean, this could be a very intimate, you know, when we think about poetry and we think about writing, a lot of times we get stuck in, oh, I have to do it the right way. You know, I I have to follow the rules. And I think that's what intimidates people and why a lot of people don't do it. Um, So how do you prescribe it? How, How do you get people started? What do you recommend? Well, in this particular book and in my practice, I recommend that people go and read a poem. So in other words, you don't have to write a poem. You don't have to be a poet or a a writer in order to appreciate and benefit from a poem. And so what I've done here is I've set out 50 possible poems, any of which I might recommend or, if you like, prescribe to one or other of my clients or patients and different poems will help you in different situations. So I would look at the, the person, I would see what that person is struggling with, and I would suggest a poem. Okay, and so how do you write a poem? Like, I mean, I know how I write a poem, but, but how do you encourage other people to write a poem? That hasn't been something so much that I've done, because I don't, think everybody can write a poem that is going to work. I think it sounds to me like you are obviously a talented writer. Um, I used to write poems way back when, but I don't think I was good enough for it to become my major investment. Uh, I like writing and I think journaling, period, is helpful. If you want to make the journal entry rhyme, that's your you know, business, but it doesn't have to in order to be potent. Uh, writing is a wonderful thing, and there are many, many research studies to find it. But what I'm doing here is having people just take poems that already exist and either read them aloud or read them to yourself or listen to someone else reading them. It makes it so much more doable than asking somebody to write something which some people would find very difficult. I love that. So you're saying take a poem that's already there. So I've done this in workshops. I've had, um, I've started uh, with a quote or a, or a line from like a roomy poem or something like that and had women finish it like yes. with their own. Yeah. I've done that. I've done that activity and it's so profound. I mean, so incredibly profound. I love that. That's a great idea. So there's not all that pressure of doing all that. Exactly. And that, so the, in this book, I've collected together 50 poems that I have found are specifically helpful for different kinds of circumstances. And Rumi is definitely there. You know, he's, he's right there. And I use uh, Rumi poems, especially uh, translated by the wonderful Coleman Barks, who is uh, such an eloquent interpreter and translator of Rumi, and um, a very short poem can pack a very significant punch. Um, And so what happens to the brain? I mean, you're a psychiatrist. We have to talk about this. You've written on transcendental meditation. What happens to the brain? Like, what's what's the physiological processes that occur when people start diving into this kind of healing? Well, every type of healing is different, uh, but this particular kind, poetry, when people have been asked to listen to poetry, you can tell uh, changes in the body and in the brain. In the body, uh, goosebumps can 
be registered and chills. And in the brain, the reward circuitry is activated. So these are things that have been documented when people specifically listen to poetry. Um, so it's like it actually like fires off certain parts of the brain. Is that what happens? Yes, it gets certain parts of the brain working. Wow. Wow. That is really cool. Uh, so so places that were maybe dormant before that were sleeping kind of thing. Yeah. Places that weren't that weren't uh, being active and you let people listen to poetry and you can see on imaging that these parts are becoming active now. Hmm. I mean, you, we... you know, it happens while you're listening. It's not going to happen for weeks and weeks. But, it, you know, it shows you that this poem is having an impact at the reward part of the brain. Oh, wow. That, that is really cool. So it's almost like a dopamine response or something to that effect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is truly fantastic. Um, can we talk a little bit about the gift of adversity? I, I just want to really talk about that book because I think I think that so many people on the heels of all that was 2020 um, are experiencing a lot of adversity in their life. And I see adversity as opportunity. So I'd love to like get your thoughts on that. I know you wrote the book on it. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, every book that I've written, I have plan to have an impact on people's lives. That's the goal that I've set out. I want to write books that make a difference. Mine so, too, Norm. That's exactly uh, mine. That's great. <laughs> same, same. That's great. Yeah. So, so anyway, I had gathered lessons from my own life along the way. You know, lessons nobody actually taught me. And when I looked them over, I saw that one thing that unified them all was that I learned the most when things went wrong. When I had a setback or a reversal or uh, I realized some imperfection about myself or I just made a mistake, you know, and these were times when I learned more than any other time. So the book, The Gift of Adversity, is like a memoir and a self-help book put together. Uh, The things that... I wanted to share with other people so that they can understand that uh, a mistake is not necessarily a setback. A mistake is an opportunity to learn. Oh, I love that. A mistake is absolutely an opportunity to learn. And unfortunately, I think so many people get caught up in frustration, feelings of failure and et cetera, that they don't see the beauty in that failure or in that mistake or in that you know, faux pas. I agree. I agree. And that's why I wrote that book. And, uh, you know, others have said it as well and have realized it. But that was my way of making that statement. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I, I really like that. I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's it's an opportunity where a lot of people don't take opportunity. And I think if we start to kind of shift our mind and say, OK, this thing has happened or I'm, you know, living through this experience right now. What do I want to take away from the experience? Because in my in in my personal life, I found that the incident, the event, the mistake, the whatever 
slowly dissipates and becomes a distant, very, very foggy memory, if a memory at all. And what's left is how you responded and how you moved forward. Like you remember that you remember what you did next, but rarely do you, you know, just remember the mistake. Yes, exactly. It's it's a matter of your mindset. It's a matter of saying, what can I take away from this? And also it softens the sting of a mistake, because if you know you can get something from it, it doesn't feel like such a total loss. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think we would be, you know, it's naive to think that we cannot get something from everything because I believe everything is presented so we get something from it, you know, everything. Well, that's a good attitude. That's going to make it easier going through life because heavens knows mistakes are going to occur. Adversity is going to occur. This, you know, however careful you are, things go wrong. And so that, that is, that is something good to hold on to. Let's migrate while we're on this topic to the book that you wrote called Supermind. Can you share what that is about? What, what it means to, to have a supermind? Can you share with that, with me a little about that? Yes. The the two books that I've written on meditation are Transcendence and Supermind. Transcendence was the first book on the subject, which describes the state that you go into when you meditate. Uh, and I thought that I'd written everything I had to say about the subject after I wrote Transcendence. But what happened was, as I kept meditating, I realized that that transcendent state moves into your daily life where it has a shaping influence on so many important things. And that has been, that was the next book because it helps you stay in the flow. It helps you be creative. It helps you uh, in your interpersonal uh, re reactions to people. I, I interviewed 600 meditators and what happens is something that they call support of nature. It bit by bit, it seems as though everybody is helping you more than before, or the world is kind of more on your side. And basically what's happening is you're behaving differently. So other people respond differently to you. Right, right. And I see this all the time. And I especially see this now. Um, I've, recently kind of rid myself of some things that were relatively toxic in my space. And um, it's amazing how my energy has shifted in a way where people are approaching me. And this is not to say like, I'm a super happy go lucky chatty with everybody. Like we'll literally tell a random stranger in the grocery store that I think her shirt is pretty. Like I'm that person. But it is profound how much more the world has opened up um, now that I've rid myself of some toxic stuff that was in my space. I mean, it's really crazy. Like, I literally, I, I, I notice it. I notice that I'm approachable because people are engaging more. And um, it's really wild. So I definitely think there is something to that. I hear that again and again, you know, that, you know, they say when you smile, the whole world smiles with you, you know, but if you're unhappy, it's hard to smile. And the meditation has helped me and many others become happier. And so that was then transcendence and supermind. We've covered the gift of adversity. 
These are some of the books I've written. Winter Blues I wrote to help people with seasonal affective disorder. So uh, each book has got its own mission. And the current book, Poetry Rx, is to bring the value of poetry, the value of just reading a poem, uh, especially if it's an inspired poem like these are, uh, to enhance your life. Um, and, and so can you talk a little bit about the seasonal effective stuff? I mean, you know, I live in Northern California where we had a guest on the podcast that had shared a little about that years ago. Um, but I don't, I'm not as greatly affected by it here as people in other regions. And I, I'm fortunate enough that, um, you know, I used to work like classic eight to five job. And in the wintertime, I would feel that getting off when it was dark and all of that. And I still do have a little bit of that if I work a late night with clients in the wintertime, but not so much because the other days I'm working in environments where I can naturally accept the day unfolding. I'm not working in a building where I don't get to see the process of the day mm-hmm. um, and like process it in my mind. So I don't struggle with it. Um, but I certainly have experienced it when winter approaches, just that sense of like, oh, the long, the long summer nights are gone. And, um, but I now in, at this point in my life really see it as an opportunity for wintering and hibernation and not in a bad way, but just to cozy up, to spend more time going within, to drink more tea, to spend, you know, more time getting more sleep and stuff like that. I know this doesn't apply everywhere, especially for people that live, you know, in the, in the way Northern hemisphere. What do you think about seasonal affective and kind of all that stuff? Well, uh, it's a definite syndrome. It's a definite illness and it affects at least 5% of the population. So that's many millions of people. Sounds to me like you're one of those lucky ones that doesn't really get affected that badly. So, you know, if, if it doesn't affect one that badly, there are all kinds of things you can do to make the winter better. But if it does, then you really need to drill down and use uh, the techniques that I describe in Winter Blues. You need more light. You need to get artificial light. You need to go walking outside even when it's cold because you get more natural sunlight that way. And there's a whole bunch of things that you can do, but it's a very, very definite problem that affects a huge number of people. Yeah, I know. It's just really sad. So what, so what do you recommend that people do? Well, uh, like I say, you know, you're going to get more light. You're going to stay positive. You're going to make, uh, you're going to keep active, even though you might feel like going, uh, lying down and putting the covers over your head. Uh, you're going to exercise. And if necessary, you're going to see a doctor because sometimes it can get really bad and need an antidepressant. So there's luckily a bunch of things you can do. That's why I've written a whole book on the subject. But these are some of the these are some of the first steps to take if the winter really, really gets you down. Wow. Oh, I just love that. Um, and, and that's sad for me to hear. It really is, because I know that people do live in places where there's just such limited, you know, light and, and whatnot. Um, and that's that's hard. That's so hard. So um, so just kind of in summary, how can people get a hold of you? How can they learn about this wonderful new tool that you've presented in the way of art and poetry? How how can how can they learn about you? 
Well, the best way to learn about me is through my website, normanrosenthal.com. And people will find out, you know, some of my research, some of my books, all of my books are there. And uh, I would especially uh, recommend this new book. It's something that has been very exciting to me for years and years now. And I'm so thrilled to be able to put it together in a single volume and let people get the benefits that I and my patients and many other people have derived from these ingenious gems that are these poems that I have shown people. You see, people have often thought of poetry as difficult, uh, out of the way, uh, but I show people how they can really understand them very simply and really enjoy them as well as benefit from them. So Poetry Rx is the book name and normanrosenthal.com is the website. And uh, I invite you and encourage you to come uh, visit me. Uh, I am on all the social media as well. So you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. So that's I'm, I'm not difficult to find. <laughs> and always, we include everything in the show notes. Thank you so much, Norm, for coming on the BU. Oh, thank Happy you podcast. so much. It's been yeah. lovely to talk with you. Thanks so much. Take care. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.